Our first scripture reading comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, and can be found on page 297 of your Pew Bible. Let us listen now for a word from God. If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. This is the word of the Lord. So as I just mentioned to the children, we're going to be focusing on that word generosity throughout these first three weeks of November. This is a time on the calendar each year when our congregation traditionally turns our attention to the theme of stewardship, to ask ourselves how we each might help contribute to the ongoing mission and ministry of our church in the year to come. And so our preaching for the next three Sundays will focus on how we can be generous, how we can lead individual generous lives, how we can worship a generous God, and today, how we together can be a generous church. So let us turn our attention once again to the words of Scripture, reading this time from the ninth chapter of Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, verses 5 through 7. Paul writes, saying, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance to finish the arrangements for the generous gift that you had promised. This is a gift to the church in Jerusalem. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me once more in prayer? Generous God, send your spirit now. Send your spirit that it would be a bounty upon our hearts this day. That through its work, the words of my mouth and indeed the meditations of each of our hearts gathered here in your sight would be pleasing and acceptable to you. For you and you alone, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So it's been a number of years since I was last on Facebook, but I remember back in the day at least there was an option under the relationship tab that was, it's complicated. Is that still a thing? It's complicated. Yeah, everyone here is like, I don't know, I'm married. I'm not going through that. <laughs> I was thinking about that this week, though, because if Paul and the church in Corinth had been friends on a platform like Facebook, I think their relationship might have been marked, it's complicated. See, there's lots of different theories out there about the origins and the circumstances around particularly the second letter to the church in Corinth. If you 
read it all the way through, you'll find that there's kind of this lack of continuity. Sometimes one chapter to another, other times one verse to another. It's, it's fragmented in nature. It's emotional. It's joyful in one chapter and then argumentative in the next. One of the theories that's out there is that following Paul's first visit to the church in Corinth, he left and another group of missionaries came in behind him, except they weren't necessarily subscribers to Paul's theology, and some of what they were teaching was rather critical of the, of the apostle. And Paul, learning about this other group coming in behind him and undermining some of the work he had done, he returns very quickly for a second visit, but apparently something happens during that visit that is quite painful to Paul. And so, in turn, he begins writing letters to the church in Corinth, some of them quite critical, admonishing them, correcting them, some of them a little more encouraging. But like I said... It's complicated, which makes it really interesting when you turn then to chapters 8 and 9 in 2 Corinthians, because they present themselves as this almost patch of smooth water in an otherwise stormy sea. Here, Paul is incredibly clear and confident and calm, and his putting forward to the church there to the church today, that one of the central tenets, one of the central calls of the church of Jesus Christ is to be generous. You know, I had an interesting experience this last week over at the Glen County Courthouse in Brunswick. Many of you are probably aware that different clergy from across our community representing different denominations and backgrounds and churches We've been trying to organize ourselves to simply be a presence, a presence of the faith community outside the courthouse during the trial around the death of Ahmaud Arbery. There's no agenda. We simply show up and make ourselves available to visit or talk or if someone wants or needs to pray. I signed up for a shift this last Wednesday and I got there around lunchtime and My intent was to do just that, kind of hang out like I had the other days in front of the courthouse. But when I got there, I started to hear talk about lunch. Apparently someone had taken it upon themselves to feed a group that's been there most days. It's a group from Chicago, mostly older people who are essentially holding vigil during the trial outside in front of the courthouse. So they start talking about lunch, and someone points me and a few of the other clergy and folks who are there over to the dirt lot, essentially. It's been called the First Amendment lot. It's over behind where the media vans have all been parking, if you've been down there at all, kind of parallel to Newcastle. So we walked over there, and not long after we got there, this beat-up pickup truck pulled into the lot. I have no idea who the person was, but the back of the truck was full of tables, and chairs, and so we pulled the tables and the chairs out and we set them up there for lunch. And I was about to sit down and just wait for the food to show up when someone else materialized out of nowhere, this time pulling those portable tents that you sometimes see on the beach, you know what I'm talking about? And they told us, they said, all right, set these tents up over each table. Okay? So we set a tent up over each table. I was about to sit down again and wait for the food to show up when someone (laughs) else arrived. 
this time with a big old clear plastic container. And when I opened it, what I found inside were crisp white tablecloth linens. And they said, set these on all the tables. Okay. I was about to sit down. Another person shows up with another container. And we open that one and we find inside that one crisp white linen seat covers to go over each of the beaten up folding chairs that we had set up. So we put all the seat covers there on the chairs. Excuse me. And then finally, the, the food and the drinks show up, and it's this car just brimming with food. And it's got this big tub of drinks that look like they were put on ice three or four hours before. And we set it all up, and people begin to gather. We have a prayer, and then we start to eat. And I was sitting there looking at this whole thing, and it occurred to me in that moment that we were doing church. We were doing church out there under those tents, at those beautifully set tables, in a dirt lot behind a bunch of satellite trucks. Everyone sat. We sat together. We ate. We visited. At one point, too, I think Glen Academy students just kind of wandered up, and before they could change their minds and wander away, someone had put a plate of food in their hands and a drink in the other and told them to sit down and visit and eat. Twenty or so people out there in the dirt field under gray skies. It was a banquet feast. It occurred to me as I sat there that, you know, there's a difference. There's a difference between being a giver and being a generous giver. Do you all notice that in those just few verses from 2 Corinthians, Paul uses both the word give and generous. Give and generous. I think it's intentional. I think Paul believes that those two words are meant to be heard and lived together. Right? Because there's a difference between those two things. A a giver is someone who maybe brings a table and chairs. But a generous giver, that's someone who sets a table and chairs. Right? A giver is someone who serves a meal to others, but a generous giver is someone who serves and then sits and eats and visits with the ones being served. A giver is someone who only uses one hand. Right? We're awfully good at giving things to other people, but we often like to hold back that other hand to hold on to the things we're just not quite ready to let go of yet. A generous giver, though, is someone who lives life like this. Both hands take it all open to others and to the world. As I was driving home on Wednesday, it crossed my mind that St. Simon's Presbyterian is a generous church. I emailed the elders on Friday to remind them that we would have a meeting between worship to welcome all of our new members today, and I included in there a note about the fact that 
we are now heading as a church towards welcoming in excess of 50 new members this calendar year. That's more than double the number that we would normally have. I didn't include that in the emails as sort of, let's all pat ourselves on the back. No, I included it because I wanted to point out to the elders that people are drawn to a church that is generous with its welcome, that seeks to welcome others in every sense of the word. Right? We're a generous church. I went back and did some back-of-the-envelope calculations, and I feel pretty confident that we as a church have done over half a million dollars in benevolent giving in the last two years. Half a million dollars just out the door to organizations and individuals in our community and beyond who can use it for the purposes of the kingdom. Right? We're generous with our monies. We're generous, too, in all the ways we serve. We're a church that is out the door. We're a church that tries to serve meals, that tries to identify ways that we can care for and love our neighbors, particularly the lost and the lonely. We're generous in our giving, is what I was thinking driving back across the causeway. But I wonder if we don't still have room to grow as generous givers. Hear that again. We are a church that is generous in giving. But where do we fall short as generous givers? Right? Are there opportunities for us as a church to not just say hello to new members, to greet them after worship or a visitor in the pews, but to invite them out to lunch, invite them into our homes? An elder emailed me a month ago and said, hey, why don't we just start inviting people to invite others to go out to lunch with them once a month after church. We're generous in our giving, but where can we be more generous givers? Right To not just write a check, to make a grant to an organization that we know is and can do powerful things with that money, but to follow our monies out the door, to get involved in the underlying issues and needs that those organizations are trying to address? Where can we grow as a church in the area of being generous givers? How can we do a better job of not just serving a meal, which, don't get me wrong, is incredibly important, but also sitting and visiting with the ones who we are serving? We're generous in our giving, but I wonder where we can grow as generous givers. Listen, there was nothing complicated about that experience last Wednesday. What I saw and the reason it stuck with me was because it was like the kingdom of God out there in that dirt lot. Everyone there that day, they had something to give and everyone gave generously. Everyone had something to give everyone gave generously. I remember a story that was once told about a wealthy man who rose to tell the rest of his church family at a meeting of the congregation one time about his Christian faith. I believe our Baptist brothers and sisters call this testimony. He stood up that day in that meeting of his church and he announced to the church, I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire, and I attribute it all to the rich blessings of God in my life. 
I remember he said the turning point in my faith. I was a young boy. I had just earned my very first dollar. And that day, I went to a meeting at my church where a missionary who our church supports had come to speak. And as this missionary spoke, I realized to myself, I only had that single dollar in my pocket to give. And I could either give it all to God or I could give nothing at all. So at that moment, I decided to give my whole dollar, he concluded, everything I had that day, everything I had in my life as a young boy. I gave it all to God, and I believe that God blessed that decision, and that's why I'm a rich man today. He finished his testimony, and he made his way back to his pew seat. There was an awed silence in the sanctuary. And as he sat down, there was a matriarch of the church sitting there in the same pew. And she leaned over to him, and with a twinkle in her eye, she whispered, I dare you to do it again. (laughs) Friends, what would it look like What would it look like for us, for us to be a church that heeds that still quiet whisper of the Spirit, I dare you to do it again? What would it look like for us as a church to be a body of believers who don't just give, but who give generously. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.